In the interest of being totally transparent, I've got to tell you that this is not my lesson. I'm a thief. And the lesson that, that we're going to be studying tonight was something that Donna and I enjoyed more than 40 years ago. A guy named Dan Johnston was a graduate of Dallas teaching at a little um, Bible group that might have been a fourth of this group one Wednesday night. And he's on the, you can open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 11. 30 to 1130. That's where we'll be starting. And the message that he gave that night had so much impact on me that I was studying this passage some 20 years later and picked up a pen and wrote him a thank you note. He was a pastor in the West Coast. He didn't remember it at all, has forgotten that he had done it, but it was a transforming thought in my life as to what we do with weakness. So, but so, the, so I hope you enjoy what Dan Johnson had to say. <laughs> okay. I want you to stop for a minute and think about weaknesses in your life. Perhaps it's a matter of anxiety. Perhaps it's a matter of health. Um, it might be a feeling of inadequacy. Uh, some sort of an addiction that you might have. And don't worry about it. We're not going to have a sharing session where you say, this, this is my weakness and, and this is what I did about it or whatever. But this is something that I want you to focus on because at the end of the lesson, we're going to look at that in a way that you perhaps have not looked at it before. So with that in mind, let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the power that it has to transform our way of thinking and how we respond to things that we face in our lives. I ask that You give us each complete freedom and transparency as we come before You tonight. Let us see ourselves as You see us. Let us see our weaknesses, whatever they might be. And keep those in mind as we look into this portion of your word. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Okay. When we were looking, when we were jumping in at 1130, we're coming into a section of 2 Corinthians from chapter 10 for several chapters. Paul is defending himself against charges against him that are being made by false apostles or those who said, you're not who you claim to be, but we are, and trying to win over the, follow, the true followers of Christ, of Paul and Christ, in the uh, Corinthian area. And if you read chapters 10 through where we're starting, it's sort of like listening to one end of a telephone conversation. You can, you can hear Paul saying, this is what they're saying, and this is what I'm saying in response, and you don't hear the other end of the conversation. And so there's a lot of sarcasm in there. There's a lot of uh, defense. There's a lot of love. There's... That's in the two chapters we're not studying tonight. 
So if somebody will read chapter uh, verses 30 and 31 for me, let's see what we can see in them. 30 and 31. If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I am not lying. Okay. So he, he's jumping in. He is using boast not in a, this is how good I am. One of the things I wanted John to say is when, when we make an application to college, when we try to make our resume for work, we don't present, let me tell you how weak I am. I can't uh, speak well or, I, or whatever my problems are, I don't, I don't get to work on time. You don't put any of that in your resume. You say, I've got good experience. I have something that you want to get hear from me. And Paul is, is doing the flip side of that. He is saying, um, if I have to boast, I'll boast about my weakness. If you take that in its simplest form, you'd say, you've got to be kidding. We don't do that. That's not the way we are. Um, throughout this passage, we will see that Paul's objective in, in all of this is that glory be given to God, not to Paul. So, so when he's pointing this out, um, that's, that's one of the contexts. Now somebody read 32 and 33 for me. Two more verses. In Damascus, the governor under King Aretas had the city of Damascus guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. Okay. If you know the story of Paul's life, he came to know the Lord on the road to Damascus. God zapped him. He was blind for three days. He went to Ananias. Everything got fixed. And then it wasn't very long after that that he was being lower, lowered in a basket and running to be hidden. So um, some people say, some commentators say, that these verses are misplaced. They ought to be somewhere else in the Bible. And I don't know about you, but I personally get really nervous when I read a commentator who says the Holy Spirit didn't know what He was doing when He put the sequence of these verses this particular way. But some folks do that. And it forces, if you're going to argue that or against that, you have to look at the whole context. And I think what is happening is that Paul is very much aware that I was out going about, my objective was to kill Christians, and I was doing a pretty good job of that. I was the, the Jew of the, of the Jews, and I was, I was going to stamp out this group. And suddenly, I find myself having to hide and run, and that was completely contrary to, to his nature. Let me give you a personal example. I shouldn't do this because I'll be hearing about this forever. <laughs> but that's what I meant, that, that, that kind of talk. When I was in high school, we lived in Irving. And I went to school in uh, Dallas, 30-minute bus ride away. 
and we uh, had to ride a bus. The price in those days was 20 cents. And I ended up in Dallas needing bus fare to get from downtown Dallas to North Dallas High School where I went, and I had no money. And I had to beg and borrow 20 cents so I could get to, uh, to high school that day. A, a man loaned me the money, and I made it. But for at least 15 years, I carried two dimes in my billfold, so that would never, ever, ever happen again. It was uh, long after 20 cents would not have bought a, a, a bus, bus ticket anymore, but I had those coins. It made an impression on me that probably still affects how Donna and I budget our money, that sort of thing. or. My point is, this made a great impression on me, and I think Paul, this seared Paul's brain, because we read this, the next section we're going to do is being carried into heaven, and the next thing we're going to study about is his thorn in the flesh. So you've got, I was let down in a basket, I had this great experience, and, and then I had this thorn in the flesh. So I think it is in perfect context. Remember that that's where I was. So I think it was a little bit like what happened to Saddam Hussein when he was hiding in the uh, spider hole or whatever you call it. This guy had controlled that part of the country that he was in and he was hiding for his life. I think he, he didn't la last very long after that, but if he had, I think he would have had this emotion as well. Okay, somebody read verses 1 to 4 of the next chapter for me. I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that this man was caught up in the paradise, whether in the body or out of body, I do not know, God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Did you get through verse 4? Yes, sir. Okay. My, my version is a little different. Okay. Can you imagine that experience? I think it says he was caught up into heaven itself. Heaven could be just the skies. It could be where the stars are. But I think it's in, into the presence of God. And he speaks of it in the third person. He doesn't know whether he was bodily transported But he was, he was saying, I had something that was so magnificent that I can't even describe it to you. And, and I, I would if I could. Um, it says that he heard inexpressible words. Let that one sink in for a minute. 
it tells me, among other things, that there will be communication in heaven. It tells me, among other things, that I am struggling for words right now every once in a while. When I'm trying to get something said, I can't get the right word to come out. He heard things that I don't think he understood, but he understood that something good was going on there and something heavenly was going on there. Do you think if that happened to you, you'd be waiting 14 years to share it? If it had happened to me today, I would say, I was supposed to talk to you about weakness tonight, but let me tell you what happened this morning at 10. <laughs> that's, that's the way it would be. So we have on one side, it's really low, uh, being let down in a basket. I had this experience that nobody else in the whole universe and all of the rest of Scripture has had this, if I'm thinking right, pastor can correct me, but no one else has been up there. And, and he says, that I was sharing with you. Now, what do we read about it next? Um, read, read 5 and 6 of chapter 12, somebody. On behalf of such a man will I boast, but on my own behalf will not boast, except in regard to my weaknesses. For if I do wish to boast, I shall not be foolish, for I shall be speaking the truth. But I refrain from this, so that no one may credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Share with me for a little bit. I can tell you what I think that says, but popcorn, what do you see in those two verses? Maybe I'm misunderstanding this, but I've really been impressed with the, uh, uh, you might have been one of these people, I'm not sure, but I've met a number of, of uh, people that have been pastors or missionaries and have done a lot of things, but they don't mention any of that. They just said, oh yeah, I, you know, I had this, they talk about their, their current weaknesses or their, uh, whatever I'm talking about at the time, they talk about it. They're able to relate to me in a way that is um, okay. Uh, is so because of their own weaknesses, and so then later I find out, oh my gosh, this, this person's been like this international celebrity, basically. And he could have talked about these things, but someone else. What'd you see right there? I think what strikes me is in the context of him defending his apostleship against his opponents. What a great trump card to play. And this would have been, man, this is my ace in the hole. Which of y'all have been to heaven and seen God? And just end the debate there. But he doesn't play it that way. He doesn't, and he doesn't say, his basic point is, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the changes that God has made in my life. That's a lot different from, let me tell you what I saw, to let me tell you what God did in my life. If we could go the personal testimony uh, route, I think we could spend the rest of the evening and another uh, the rest of the evening talking about that. But that's what that was what was absorbing him. And when you listen to me, I don't want you to say what a great uh, describer of heaven he was. I want you to give all of the glory to God, but he because he was doing something special. 
with me, and I was fortunate enough to be a participant in that. Now then, somebody read 7 and 8 for me. This is more familiar territory. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, Thomas gave a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Okay, so Paul goes from uh, being lowered in a basket, seeing heaven, thorn in the flesh, and what had he done about it? Hmm? Three times. And God said, don't think so. Don't think so. What was Paul's thorn in the flesh? I want you to meditate on that for a bit. Commentators go wild on this one. Some people say it was eye problems. It, it's, I think it's in Galatians, if my note is, yeah, Galatians 4 5. Some people say that if they could, they would have given me their eyes and they say, see there, his problem was eyesight. Others? I would say something that hmm? spiritually weighed upon him because of the a messenger from Satan seems to indicate that it was was something truly from the enemy. So whatever it was, it, it weighed upon his heart, not just physical, but also spiritual. Okay. Could have been that. Some people say it was his physical appearance, that he was uh, not good to look at. Some people could say he couldn't speak well. There are verses to support that as well. Basically, we're saying because he's defending himself against charges being made against him. But there's two things I want us to make. If the Spirit had wanted the thorn in the flesh to be clearly understood as a thing, he could have made that clear. And I think the fact that he did not means that when we're studying this and applying it to weakness, as we will see tonight, we are permitted to have as broad an application as possible because it was undefined. And another thing that thrills me and scares me at the same time, we have Satan and God in partnership de dealing with Paul and giving him this thorn in the flesh. Satan says, I want to stop this dude. And God says, I don't want the experience he had having seen heaven to be uh, giving him pride and confidence in the wrong sense. But God, in the same way as Job, God and Satan got together and said, okay, you can have Paul in this particular area right now for this time. Sort of a, a nervous thing. The next portion, somebody read verse 9. Some commentators see this as the key, uh, key verse in the whole book. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for 
Okay, let me read it one more time for you. He has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Some, some translators say, My power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. <clears throat> Preaching to the choir, grace means unmerited favor, right? My grace is sufficient for you. Power in the context seems to me pretty clearly is God's power, not something that Paul can mess, uh, muscle up. And the weakness is Paul's weakness. Um, when, Don, when Dan Johnston shared this verse, he applied it this way, and it has, I hope these thoughts resonate with you the way they do, did with me. When you identify a weakness in your life, as I hope you have done in your thinking, know that right at that point, God has promised to demonstrate His power in you in that weakness. May I say that again? When you identify a weakness in your life, know that according to this verse, God has promised that He will demonstrate His power in your life in that weakness. For a guy that has wrestled with pride, if you were asking me to make a resume, I could tell you all these nice things about Bo Hoskins and why he's good. I wouldn't be talking about my bursts of anger. I wouldn't be talking about the, the fact that I have little private sins that I'm not going to share with you in public I, that I don't even share with my family. I wouldn't be talking about any of those things. But God says, Bo, right there, I will demonstrate my power in you. That was a life-transforming thought to me, and I hope it is for you as well. Verse 10, Therefore I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It says, He's completely comfortable with his weakness. The thorn reminds him of it. The thorn may be it in Paul's life. But he says, right there, I'm going to see God's power. And his life, I think, demonstrates that he believed that. So I want you to remember, if you don't get anything else, verse 9, underscore it in, in your memory and in your thinking. So how do we apply this little passage? One thing I want us to see is I think, I, th I said it before as we went along, I think Paul's thorn in the, th in the flesh is intentionally vague, vague so that we can apply this passage in a very broad sense. We don't have to know what your or your or your weakness is. 
to, to say that God has promised to uh, demonstrate power in your life right there. It tells me that God is not bashful. He will use even Satan if, if necessary to accomplish his purpose. That doesn't give me a lot of comfort, but it does say something. Uh, it does say something about what what he does and what he can do. Job's life gives us a similar thing. It tells us that none of us is too weak to serve God. Whatever our weakness might be, if this verse, if we're applying this verse correctly, it says, Bo, I understand all that. I, but right there, I can take your weakness and demonstrate my glory in your puny life and do something with it. And that's what I'm about. It's His power, not our ability, that is being demonstrated there. An illustration that I intended to use earlier when we were talking about what was uh, Paul's thorn in the flesh, if it were um, an inability to speak well, it's my understanding that Chuck Swindoll was a stutterer when he was a young man. And if you listen to Chuck now, you don't find any stammering in, 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 his, in his speaking. Side point. Okay. The last thing I want to say do the things that I boast about bring glory to God? He says, I am boasting about my weakness. And he said, why? We're not inclined to um, brag about those weakness points. But Paul does. I want to boast about them. And then he says, because right there, God demonstrated his power in my life. And the, the implication is, and he can do that for you too. So think about that for just a bit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage. I pray that as we come before you, analyzing our own lives, that you'll give us insight courage, openness to you so that we don't play games, so that uh, we will be honest with you because we know we can't fool you. And so when we determine this really is a spot where I'm weak, we can know that that's, that that's a spot where you really want to glorify yourself in our puny bodies let us grasp this and use it, we pray, in the days ahead. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.